Good morning, church. This morning, a, a new series, Lesson for a Quarantined Church. I just couldn't think of a, a more relevant title. And the subtitle this morning, When Your Heart Desperately Needs Renewing. When Your Heart Desperately Needs Renewing. I have one verse from Psalm 103, verse 5. The psalmist writes and says, he's speaking about the things that God does for us. Who satisfies your years with good things so that, and this is the phrase I like, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Renewed youth. Here here is something uh, better than Botox. Wonderful logic in this short little verse. A life uh, kept strong by the power of inner satisfaction rather than a turning back of the clock or the removal of trials. I mean, we all age. We know that. There's no way on earth to start counting back the years to 20 after you've reached 40, 50, or 60. So the direction of our days, it never changes. I mean, the writer in another famous verse about that Psalm 90, verse 12, he says, Teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. So we get it. There's no way of physically becoming young again. And that's not what the writer's talking about in Psalm 103, 5. He's saying that if, if the years can't be turned back, at least he's telling us how our hearts can be kept from growing old, cold, weary, and dark. Life has its seasons. We know that. Apostle Paul talked about being in season and out of season, depending on the kind of circumstances we face in the moment. So we could paraphrase Paul's words, life life has its ups and downs. How does this text, how does this text speak to people who are in hard seasons and difficult times and need renewed hearts. I have four points, probably we'll just do three. It's different when uh, in the church service and everybody's here and you've got infants in the nursery and children's workers looking after your kids and I know a lot of you are sitting there now and you've got everything going on and I want to just keep this concise but as helpful and practical as I can. Point number one. We'll do three points this morning and maybe one point next Sunday morning. The issue of inward renewal is found in satisfaction with God and not ease of circumstance. Look at the verse again. Who satisfies your years? If I was underlining, I'd underline satisfies. Who satisfies your years with good things so that, here's the result, your youth is renewed like the eagle. The psalmist is, is, is clear. It's not hard to follow. Satisfaction has renewing power. Who satisfies your years with good things so that the result is your youth is renewed. Satisfaction has renewing power. And so, I guess, we could see by contrast how people grow weary, unrenewed. 
they fail to find their deepest satisfaction in God. That wears people out. Being satisfied in God renews your youth like the eagle. So we all wrestle with this. I mean, circumstances, here's the problem. Circumstances draw us into themselves rather than into God. That's what happens. So, so think deeply with me about this one principle just, just for a minute longer. Because I think it has potential to at least begin to refresh and, and, and realign your whole being and joy in the Lord. He tells all of us, all of us in this particularly wearying world right now, he says we're in danger of missing the most important thing we can know. He tells us people don't wear out primarily from too much stress. They wear out more from too little nourishment. Now, I guess those things are related, at least in this sense. If you're spiritually malnourished, you'll certainly feel the stress of life a lot more deeply and a lot more quickly. I'm not arguing for a moment that life can't be very difficult at times. But I think the psalmist is trying to tell us that while life certainly can be hard and trying, that isn't the sole determining factor for a renewed heart. People begin to lose their, their inward youth when they begin to lose satisfaction in God. And so I just want to repeat, the issue of a renewed heart is found in inner satisfaction in God, not in ease of circumstance. But, th- but there's more, a little bit more. Look at principle number two. Here's a spiritual law. People will grow inwardly weary if they confuse pleasure with joy, if they confuse pleasure with joy. Everybody likes pleasure. There's a certain delight in pleasure. Pleasures feel good. That's why they call them pleasures. Joy, on the other hand, brings, our text calls it satisfaction, who satisfies Satisfaction is a bit different from pleasure. Satisfaction is more than a, a temporary feeling. Satisfaction, satisfaction actually completes something in your created personhood. It, it enforces why you were made. It gives contentment. It, it, it awakens purpose. If there's anything we should all know for sure now, it's the happiness of circumstance is a fragile thing. It's a fleeting thing. I think we're seeing that right now. God is teaching us that. And it cuts really to the heart of what's on the psalmist's mind in our text. He he calls me to find not only happiness, not even enjoyment in God, but satisfaction. Remember, remember this distinction, not only now, but all your life. Pleasure can be found almost anywhere. Satisfaction, satisfaction can only be found in God. Let me say that again. Pleasure can be found almost anywhere. You have enough health, 
you have enough money, you have enough vacation, you have enough friends, you have enough influence, you have enough power, you have enough success. Pleasure. Satisfaction can only be found in God. And, and here's the thing. We, we just weren't creationally designed to find satisfaction in the pleasure of circumstances. I mean, our emotions take us there. People can tickle their physical senses temporarily, but they will never come and receive fullness at the banquet table of God. In fact, here's something profound that you see in God's Word. The Bible teaches that pleasure is perhaps, or can be, one of the greatest enemies of satisfaction in God. Pleasure can be one of the greatest enemies to satisfaction in God, which is why sometimes God allows trials to come. If you want to see the truth of what I just said, pleasure can be the biggest enemy to satisfaction in God. You just look at a parable Jesus told because he talked about this very thing in Luke. Hope you have your Bible. Get it out. Luke 14, verses 16 to 20. Jesus is the speaker here. He said to him, a man was giving a big dinner, a banquet, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, well, I... I bought a piece of land. I need to go out and look at it. So please consider me excused. Another said, I, I, I bought five yoke of oxen. Notice both these. It's money. They have money. They've purchased stuff. They're investing their money. I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm, I'm going to go try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I've, I've married a wife. So there's social relationships and commitments. I've married a wife, and for that reason, I, I cannot come. Now, here's what we're meant to see. Here's what Jesus is doing with this brilliant parable. With all the sinister work of the devil, the Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion, baring his teeth. What, what is it, as Jesus speaks, what is it that finally keeps people from the satisfaction of the banquet table of God. Piece of land, pair of oxen, domestic responsibilities. Jesus says, watch how people miss satisfaction in God. They miss the best by confusing satisfaction with God with the pleasure that can legitimately be had in other things. They confuse pleasure with deepest satisfaction. So, so this is the invisible idolatry that just quickly stagnates in all its participants. You can see why, can't you? Why the prophets were constantly calling the people of Israel to reevaluate Look at, examine what you would find truly satisfying. The prophet Isaiah, he speaks to people 
And he's trying to say, you're confusing pleasure with satisfaction. In Isaiah 55, 1 and 2, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy, eat, come, buy wine, milk, without money, without cost. Here's the question. Why, why do you spend money for that which is not bread? He doesn't mean just physical bread. Why are you... Why are you laboring for stuff that you think is giving you pleasure, but it can't possibly satisfy your soul? Why do you spend money for what is not bread? Your wages for what does not, hear the word, satisfy. They like it. It's bringing them pleasure, but it will never satisfy. Then the prophet says, listen carefully to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourself in abundance. Now, don't just shuffle those words off to a group of backslidden Jewish idolaters in 600 B.C. They're the Spirit's constant call to you, to me, in good times and in times of, of really distinct trial like now. People who are, where is satisfaction to be found? And our text, our opening text, those words are the key to Abiding youth, a renewed heart, even in the midst of trial. Stay with me one more point, the third point. You measure your satisfaction in God by the loss of your interest in anything else as the source of your deepest joy. You measure your satisfaction in God by your loss of interest in anything else as the source of your deepest joy. It doesn't mean you can't have other interests, but you can't have other interests as the source of your deep satisfaction in God. The psalmist doesn't promise a renewed heart to just anyone who happens to have a passing interest in God, not just somebody who floats around to church, although even that's hard to do now. He offers his promise to those who are satisfied in God, who satisfies your heart with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. And so the question, I guess, naturally arises, how do I know if I'm that kind of Christian? How do I know if I'm that kind of a person? I want to be, in spite of what I sing in church. And How can I know that I'm finding this kind of satisfying relationship with God through Christ? Don't skip over the question lightly. It's your lifeblood. And there is a way to discover the correct answer. You have to be honest enough to search for it in the Scriptures. Look at John 6, 35. Here's Jesus on this very topic again, like he was in the parable of the banquet. Parable of the banquet, how people miss satisfaction with legitimate things. Now he's going to say directly how to have it. John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me, another of the gospels with the same word says, he who believes in me, comes means believe, come in faith, believes. He who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. So the words I want to look at are will not hunger, will never thirst. 
Of course, we experience need, we experience fatigue, we experience frustration. I get it in the middle of all these things. But the truest level of where you are spiritually is found in, in the middle of all this, what still satisfies your heart more than anything else? Jesus speaks to this. Oh, hear the Lord say, He came to fill the life in such a way that he wasn't just one of the things bringing satisfaction to life. He was the only thing that satisfied the life in this way, in such a passionate way that it was, there was no driving hunger to be satisfied with anything else. He who comes to me will not hunger. It doesn't mean you're never going to want to eat food. He who believes in me will never thirst. There's something in the satisfaction of life in Christ that you won't crave satisfaction in things that were never meant to give it in the first place. So he's rewording, Jesus, rewording the same principle that our psalmist offered in our text. For the one who wants a renewed heart, competing hungers can't be allowed to just pile up and accumulate in the soul. This is not, as the world might think, because we have no interest in inward delight, but because we have found a deeper delight in the Lord than can be found anywhere else, and it's driven out other objects as sources of satisfaction. So so here's the test for an inwardly renewed heart. In the words of Jesus' parable, is there still something else, some other attraction keeping you from God's banquet table? Of course, one of the things that one of the things that God does in seasons like this, we'll look at it next Sunday morning again. One of the things that he does is, is he as he peels other things away, he forces us to look at what's left. He forces us to look at what, what is it that sustains. What brings contentment to the soul and satisfaction to the heart? So think of that verse, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. It's better than Botox. Church, let's pray together. We're so grateful, Jesus, for the provision you have made for our deepest needs. We're so grateful, Lord, that we can set the Lord always before us, knowing that the things that we have in Christ can never be taken away and can never be shaken. We need so much more. In times like these, we need so much more than little cheery talks and little chats. It's a pat on the back that it's going to be okay. We need churches, we need leaders that will, that will give God to people, that will bring God's word to people. Let our deepest joy and satisfaction, the things that can never be shaken, anchor our hearts in that. Anchor our hearts in that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.